All right. Hi, everybody. It's Tuesday night. It is RCFB Talk 140. My name is Bob Akhairi, and it's always nice to be here to talk to you about what's going on in college football. It's the offseason. It's May. But we keep getting closer to the season, and there should be some stuff to talk about. So if you'd like to talk about anything in the college football universe, just feel free to uh, hit request. And I'll be happy to let you up here and we can talk about really whatever you'd like. It's kind of fun. I enjoy it. It's good to hear your thoughts about whatever's going on at any division with any team. But let's see here. There's a lot of things going on right now in college football. It's offseason. But again, I think the most interesting story of this past week was the announcement that we're going to get not only. I mean, we know we're getting the new NCAA football on uh, the uh, video games coming back, but we're not going to definitely get the player names because that was a big deal. I think when we were talking about compensating players and when we were talking about, you know, the idea of allowing, you know, what became name image and likeness NIL, the idea, the one thing I think that galvanized fans for gosh, a decade or more was the idea of players being able to get compensated for being in the video game or getting their name on a Jersey Oh, I see my good friend Andrew is going to be joining here. He's part of our team. Um, I'm going to let him up. And again, if you'd like to join the conversation, please do. Hit request on the Twitter app. But going back to it, one of the big stories, again, we've got EA Sports has said they're going to pay the players for their likeness. It isn't entirely clear how they're going to pay them. Um, You know, arbitrarily, some folks on our CFB suggested, I mean, would it be something as simple as $100 and a copy of the game? Or would it be more? When you realize how many players there are in college football, I could kind of see where they might have to kind of play with the numbers a little bit and decide, well, how much can we possibly play? I mean, what, each roster's got 85 scholarship players. So <laughs> you do the math, that's that's a lot of, that's that's thousands of, I mean, you can get up, especially when you're talking about FCS, which are usually FCS teams also in the in the game. That can be quite a bit. Now I could see... Coming up with maybe for the now suddenly you don't have to worry about a cover athlete being a guy who graduated already, maybe the last year's Heisman winner or something like that. Um, So I'm sure maybe that player will get a little bit more money, but I wonder if they'll go a little more standardized for individual players who decide to opt in because it's an opt in for the players. EA isn't going to just automatically add every player on every team in college football. I believe they have to actually opt in to be included. And I'm sure they're anticipating most players will because it's free money. Um, and I don't know a free game. We'll see. But um, one of my funny, one of the funnier comments on RCFB about all of this was, uh, you know, what what if a player doesn't want to be in the game? What are they going to do? Um, and uh, you know, the Iowa State fan, I got to say, C C Team Nineteen. His idea was they're going to hire Jordan Peele to come up with all the alternative names. So we're going to Key and Peele. So maybe we'll get Buckshank Crenshaw. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, McCringleberry um, as one of those uh, one of those uh, generic players, but we'll see how that goes. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, my friend? <laughs> my my side just completely crashed on me, so I'm back. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, Andrew, I'm having a little trouble hearing you. So I think maybe there's a technical thing on my side. But, uh, but yeah, so again, if you'd like to join us, though, please do. Um, this is our CFB Talk 140. I'm Bob Akhire. We're talking college football. Whatever you'd like to talk about. So it's just mentioning 
the uh, the latest in the EA Sports game is coming out. And so apparently uh, the other report that kind of came out recently was that it's going to be headlined by Dynasty Mode. Uh, that they will, you know, they claim it's going to be distinctly, uniquely college football. I know that's what a lot of folks wanted to have back in that game because, you know, you could take some minor team uh, or you could create a team. I hope they bring that back and just sort of bring it up through the ranks and and kind of get it to be a uh, get it to be a powerhouse. Although, you know, a lot of folks are I think the the, the classic worry was that it was going to be it was going to be a, a Madden clone. I don't know if that'll happen. I, I think the biggest fear is microtransactions, which EA has been known to do. Will they go with the microtransaction route? Or will they? Uh, will the game just not be that good? But I think a lot of people are willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because the last game was NCAA football, I think, 2014. So we're now a decade out. It'll be 2024 when they release it. I believe they always kind of do the following year when they name it. So one of the better suggestions was... Uh, Mando Doman uh, from Purdue suggested that it should be an extremely in-depth Japanese RPG with anime cel-shaded art style. Uh, I don't know if it'll be that far, but enough on that. You know, another topic that's kind of been been going around is, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase this because when we was mentioned on RCFB, it got a little distracting because people wanted to latch on to the specific senator who is drafting legislation, but. The bottom line is there is now apparently in the U.S. Senate an attempt to draft NIL legislation to kind of create a sort of a national clearinghouse. There's real minuses and pluses to both of this. I mean, right now what we're seeing across the country is a bunch of states coming up with their own individual NIL rules. Mizzou, uh, pardon me, not Mizzou, although it really only benefits Mizzou. Missouri um, passed a law. Uh, I believe it was last week or the week before, that is going to now allow um, teams to, once a high school player has committed to a school, they will be allowed to, um, they'll be allowed to receive an NIL deal from an in-state school, which again, only benefits Mizzou. So uh, we'll see, what we're going to see is a lot of states will then see that, and you know, especially I think I mean, Mizzou is an SEC school. I think we're certainly going to see other states in the SEC constituents or, you know, powerful coaches and powerful alumni bases saying, hey, we'd like that, too. What we've been seeing in the last year or so, because right when the NIL laws started to pass about two years ago now, they were they were a little more, I want to say, and, and I don't mean this in like the political sense, but they were conservative. They were more reserved, like they weren't allowing a lot of new things for this tool because I think a lot of people were concerned about it. Um, while California, which passed that initial law that that's kind of and that survived a court challenge and kind of got this all moving, um, what we started to see once they learned it, once they saw how it worked in action, a lot of states over the last few months have been revising those rules and loosening them up. Oklahoma, you know, although it got kind of sidetracked in a completely unrelated issue, um, they were they had announced, for example, that they were going to make uh, it so that the NCAA couldn't actually enforce certain rules within the state. But Mizzou actually, I think, took it the next step by allowing it for high school athletes who have committed to start getting NIL deals and it's not going to penalize the school in the state which, again, uh, might help Mizzou lock in some of their home state talent because, they, well, Mizzou isn't like an ultra-talent hotbed. It's not a Florida. It's not a Texas. But it's still 
generates talent on a regular basis and that might benefit them. And it'll be interesting to see what the next state to, to follow them will be. All of that said, that kind of um, balkanization or that kind of separation of all the different states, it's not a shock that, you know, the NCAA has been trying to push uh, a federal rule. Uh, I know the new uh, commissioner, Charlie Baker, the former governor of Massachusetts, that's his big thing. He wants to, to see if they can get national law to sort of support them. I am not saying that's the route to do it. I get what they're trying to do because then you put everyone on the same playing field. And if things get a little too wonky, it wouldn't be outlandish to think some of the coaches would kind of be relieved if <laughs> they don't have to worry about, well, the state next door. They have all these, uh, you know, NIL rules that we can't follow, um, you know, so it, it might make it even, but I'm not sure. So that was kind of the other story that was kind of coming out. That might be a future story of as it develops. Right now, it's a draft under the office. I'm just reading an article off of On3, the office of Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. It's called the College Sports NIL Clearinghouse Act of 2023. In the draft, they basically want to establish another version of the NCAA to preside over NIL activity and kind of be a central clearinghouse. That might be a little bit of overkill, but we'll see what ends up happening and how that moves through the uh, the sausage factory that is making politics. I mean, one of the things, and again, I, I, one of the, the comments, just looking at the top comment that came out of the uh, community on our CFB, and again, if you want to talk about this or anything else, hit request. Would love to chat with you. Uh, you know, he said, I've got an unpopular opinion here. The entire issue right now is the NCAA was gutted due to a statutory framework that existed for 70 years, but is now only construed to apply against the NCAA. So his thought, and this is a Wazoo fan, if you want any, and I mean any form of national governance in the form of college athletics to move forward, Congress would have to act in some way, in his thought. And again, I think there is also the idea of, well, let the, let the market sort itself out. And it certainly might. This is fairly low stakes. We're still just talking about college sports. Like, <laughs> when it comes down to it, we're literally talking about a bunch of people playing a sport we all love to watch, playing college football. So, I mean, if it ends up just being the market sorting itself out, yeah, it'll be an interesting lesson. We'll see how it goes there, too. That's definitely one of the, the big stories that's been gradually developing. We hear it a bit here, we hear it a bit there, but um, that's been there. You know, another topic, and this might be one, if any of you'd like to chime in as well, there's apparently, one, one of the funnier conversational topics was, and it wouldn't seem funny, just interesting. If you had the choice, would you let your team have a $10 million head coach or a $10 million NIL budget? And it's easy to see kind of the, the pluses and minuses of each. Is it something where, you know, would you see the value of, I mean, if you have a thought on that, I'd love to hear it. I mean, there's pluses in both ways. I mean, head coaches make such a difference. You know, the, the group of uh, fans that seem to have the most problems with not paying, with paying a coach $10 million tended to be your Nebraska fans, your Texas A&M fans, your Michigan State fans, um, who are a little bit concerned about what they were getting out of that. But at the same time, you know, if you get a Nick Saban, pay that $10 million, boom, you've got a ton there. Hey, Andrew, I think I know what's going on here. Do you mind just resetting your connection and coming back on? And I think I'll be able to get you through there because I have a feeling what is happening is purely on my end. It's such a funny thing with Twitter spaces, and I don't know when this appeared, but if somebody is, is and a lot of times when people request to speak, I let them on right before I'm going to talk to you. Because if you're on 
waiting for a while, it, it doesn't come through. So let's try this again. Andrew, why don't you unmute? Hello? Anyone? Hmm. I don't know what's going on on my side. I, I, for some reason, I can't hear it. That's so weird. <laughs> oh, my God, Andrew, now? I can't hear you. Let me try laying on Keith. I see Keith Norwood on here, too. Let me see if it, it might just be me. So I'm going to let I'm going to let Keith. I know people are hearing Andrew. I know that for certain. But uh, Keith, could you unmute? I just want to see if it's on just on my end. And if it is, I'm going to actually step back. step back. It is on my end. I can't hear I can't you, but hear I can see you your mic's working. mic's working. I'm going to step back and let Andrew talk for a bit. But Keith, say your thoughts. I'll be right back. Okay, here's the bottom line for me. I'm going to say this. Big, big Razorback fan. Big Sam Pittman fan. Not as much an Auburn fan. Not as much a Dion fan. I don't know, but I'm going to say all this too. I don't know why in the world they're changing the rules. I don't know why in the world they're, they're going away from college football. Which Look at what happened with Tennessee last year. Deservedly so. Story of the year. Everybody's all about it. But we got to go and change things. We got to go do this and that to the rules. That's my issue. Uh, long time Redditor figured that out a few years ago. It's been wonderful. Uh, long story short, go Hogs, pro, all the way college football, and thank you, everyone. Awesome. And Keith, I'm so glad I was able to get my mic to work or at least my speakers to work so I could hear that. So uh, <laughs> we really appreciate that. And Andrew, by the way, are you on that? Like now I want to actually hear your voice. I know what you sound like. It's so weird not to hear you. Yeah. Oh, man, I I feel so that I don't know what happened. My uh, my equipment just stopped working, I think, entirely. So what I did is I yanked it all out. And suddenly I'm like, oh, I could hear Keith. And I'm like, oh, I bet now I'm going to hear Andrew. So uh there you go. So again, apologies. Well, happy, happy to have you here. <laughs> I am too, man. I, I was just like, okay, this is there's something, something's up here. But um, yeah, and, and again, thanks to uh, to Scott Butler. I also saw in the audience said, you know, he can hear you, which I believe he was probably responding uh, to you. So uh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, Andrew, now that you're up here, I just want to give you a chance. Was there anything that we've talked about so far that you wanted to circle back to? Because I feel bad. I just kind of was like, oh, I can't I keep talking. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I do agree with your your assessment that it might be prohibitively expensive to play, to pay what are college rosters at the FBS level, 100-something players now, something something to that effect. So a hundred times 133, I mean, at that point you're just losing money or if you're, if you're EA, uh, I don't know. They'll, they'll work that, that out. They have lawyers and yeah, they have high priced lawyers and stuff. Yeah, cause it was kind of funny. Cause I was wondering, I mean, the only, the way I could see them, cause now again, we're going back to, for those of you who joined us late, the uh, EA sports has said, of course, we're going to now include players and the way it's going to work. They haven't exactly said how the players are going to be compensated, um, in the latest version of the game that's going to be coming out. But it sounds like they're going to opt in. Players get to opt in and be part of it. So, like, while it, it's it's hard to see how beyond, like, for example, if you're selected as the cover athlete, let's say Caleb Williams, you just win the Heisman, he's going to be – used to be he couldn't be on the cover, those of us who are old enough. Um, anytime someone still in college right. couldn't be – on the next year's cover, but usually it was like the, the outgoing Heisman winner or something like that. But um, 
for uh, so like Matt Leiner, that was a classic example. He won the Heisman and stayed in school, so he couldn't be on the the cover the following year. And then I think they just put Reggie on the cover, uh, you know, a year later. Um, I remember that was Zabransky. I think they they went with Zabransky for that cover. But anyway, so um, going back to uh, to what's going on here, so I could see you know coming up with a, a pretty lucrative deal if you're going to be the cover person on uh, an NCAA football game, and maybe if you're like the reigning. Like, again, still in the program, still haven't, like, someone like a Jordan Addison who is, like, a reigning Blitnikoff winner. I could see that maybe getting a little more compensation because you're going to be a little more featured or maybe if they use more photos of you for some reason or another. But that's the problem. I mean, you've got rosters, 85 scholarships, 130 teams. Plus, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know if they're going to go beyond that with uh, – with others and, and with the FCS teams that they were in the game before. So you can see how that suddenly becomes a pretty huge number of people. And I could also see his pushback for, you know, there's a handful of superstar players, but I mean, it's like, if you're a, a fan of, you know, Texas football or Texas A&M, you're not going to care if all the players in, you know, Boston college are on the roster. You're not going to care if UConn's players are all there. And if you're a hypothetical um, UMass fan, uh, you, you might not necessarily care if all of the uh, the players in San Diego State are on the team uh, or on, in the game. So, I mean, I think that that will have something to do with it, too. So I kind of get where EA also has some leverage. So I wonder if they're just going to basically throw out for most players. Here's the deal. If you want to be in the game, here's like, you know, again, we're hypothetically saying there's 100 bucks in a copy of the game. Um, congrats. You know, <laughs> now you get compensation for it, which we were verboten from doing um 10 years ago when we had the last game well if you've heard some former players talking uh a lot of them have said you know they they miss the fact that they weren't able to be in the game i mean we've it's it's going to be 11 years uh go uh, 11 years when this game is released next year so you've got essentially three generations of players come and gone. And I, I've heard a lot of them regret not being able to have been in the game. So I think for a good number of them, I, I, I'm not one to tell them what they want to do, but I think for at least some of them, they might be happy with some compensation and a free copy. I mean, that essentially comes out to about a $160, $170 value at that point. So it remains to be seen. I love that idea of getting Key and Peel to come in and name some of the unnamed players. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I was just doing the math in my head. Wasn't it being like, if you're an incoming freshman in college right now, would you have been, oh gosh, like in second grade when the last NCAA game came out? I mean, I, they would have been seven years old. Yeah. So, like second grade, give or take. <laughs> Gosh, I feel old. Oh my goodness. Well, hey, I, I. Speaking of just a little fun joke that I like to do whenever I cover games is whenever they play over the PA some quote unquote older music. I, I've heard things like when I was from grade school, like uh, "Hey Ya," uh, for instance. I'll tweet something talking about how this song is being played and 
none of the players or maybe only juniors and seniors would have been alive would have been alive when this song came out and that gets everyone very annoyed but i find it so funny to <laughs> yeah, do. indeed or you just tell tell some folks that you know what 19 uh 1973 was 50 years ago and you get some looks uh from certain crowd um <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, so I have to just quickly ask you. So, I mean, we've been kind of uh, dancing around some topics. Have there been any that have jumped out to you this week? Um, or is this just, do you mind, do, I mean, I'm just curious to hear what, what, what has caught your mind in this off, this week of the last, this last week or even few weeks of the off season? Well, just from a personal side, uh, UCF finally unveiled an actually gold helmet. So I'm excited about that. The other one was kind of like a, bronze sort of so um i think the other thing that i find fascinating is how once again we're still kind of mired in the is there going to be movement in conference realignment again isn't there going to be movement in conference realignment it just seems to be going and going and going i mean i've read or seen dozens of articles over the past couple of weeks Oregon and Washington are going. No, they're not. They want to go. They don't want to go. Northwestern doesn't like USC and UCLA. And it's at some point you just is the is there going to be fire or not? Because right now it's just a lot of smoke. And uh, you know, I I don't believe that the the old saying of where there's smoke, there's fire really applies in conference realignment, at least not right now. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of go back to what we're looking at in conference realignment. I think the most that I think most folks are waiting to see what the PAC 12 media deal turns out to be. They keep punting on it. The conference is a little bit disorganized because you have conference uh, presidents who make statements that end up stating times or dates that just end up not happening or um, they seem to just push back when they're going to finally, you know, potentially have a negotiated deal. And for that reason, I mean, because we know certain things are, are barely held secrets. Like if someone's going, if, if the Pac-12 is going to join, add teams, it looks like it'll probably be San Diego State for certain would be one of their choices. And Southern Methodist, those seem to be the two leaders in the bullpen. It doesn't seem like they're going to realistically poach the Big 12 while on the other side of things. The Big 12 is just sitting there, you know, <laughs> waiting to see the Pac-12 screw up somehow so they can try and get the, you know, the four corner schools, Utah, Colorado, and Arizona, the Arizona schools, or at least make a play for them. Or at, possibly on their own take San Diego State. It's not clear. But I think while those two have been the sort of the story ever since USC and UCLA announced their departure, because it's it looked like we were going to get a knife fight between those two for survival. In the last, again, since February, when the uh, the athletic director at Florida State kind of started to make some rumblings that he wasn't thrilled with the way the conference distribution was going on, and um, basically voicing that, or at least the, it must have been, the only way these numbers come out, and I believe part of the reason all this information came out is he gave a presentation to, and I always forget if they call them regents or trustees, but, you know, the board that oversees the school at Florida State. And he laid out a lot of these numbers. I know one thing that was a takeaway, he was getting annoyed 
that you know Vanderbilt was getting more per year out of their media deal than because I mean they're SEC uh, than by a lot than Florida State was looking to get in the ACC. So one of the things, and of course they had their conference you know meetings this past week or so, and in those meetings it came out that the conference seems to have come up with some unity in the sense now the uh the florida state you know ad was like we're, we're thrilled to be here um it seems like they may consider list because the other side story in all of this is again it was being rumbled that about up to a half dozen teams in the acc were starting to look at whether the uh, grant of rights which is this this deal that that keeps the ACC together. They signed the grant of rights deal to handle all their media uh, deals, and it's supposed to be very well written. Um, and apparently, in that that space between February and you know mid May, a lot of lawyers from these schools have been looking at it, and it sounds like they're not entirely sure if it's able to get out of it. I think the penalty is like one hundred twenty million dollars per school if you leave early. And while that could be made up at a reasonable pace in some of the other conferences, uh, the two big conferences, especially if you have a lot of excitement and you galvanize your fan base, um, the idea of paying a $120 million penalty ain't that great. And it sounds like it may have come to a head at that last conference meeting where they were like, well, doesn't seem like it. So they may do an uneven distribution to, to appease a Clemson, to appease Florida State, but it still wouldn't be as much as they would get. Hey, looks like we have someone who wants to join in. Fifth quarter, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit add the speaker. So, and I see he's a Clemson person, so this is gonna be good. Uh, fifth quarter, Clemson. So feel free to unmute. Would love to hear from you. Yeah, pretty much a ten million dollars per year kind of buyout. And from what I can tell from from a lot of people that I know who are close to. Uh, Clemson Athletics and Clemson board members, the big want that Clemson and Florida State, uh, they're kind of the two main heads of this, I guess, what some people have called it the Magnificent Seven of trying to get out of the ACC. Uh, It's mostly been Clemson and Florida State leading the front. Clemson kind of made their their feelings known early after the $1 billion deal that the Big Ten got. But the hope is if if Clemson or Florida State can can get a contract set with with one of the Big Ten or the SEC, where the conference that that the school would be joining is is willing to contribute a significant uh, significant amount of the buyout money, then both of the schools would would be willing to make the move. Pretty much the goal is is by the time three years has passed if Florida state and Clemson can maintain their same level of revenue as they would in the ACC being in this new conference after the three to four years of being in there, they will see the influx of, of cash. Then, then it would be worth it for either of those schools to get out. That makes sense. That's, and that's, that's what I was gleaning from what a lot of the conversations were. And that I'm, thank you for adding that to the conversation. Because it, and it makes sense, and and you you hit on actually a really important point, and this is always the classic. This has been, I mean, for decades of of uh, conference shifts, no team wants to make any drastic move without having almost. And it's funny, but no conference wants to put it on paper, but without that that standing invite 
to jump into the next conference. In fact, Mizzou is one of the funnier examples. Mizzou kept making basic overtures to say we would love to be part of the Big Ten. We would love to be part of the Big Ten. And the Big Ten would never, you know, the Big Ten was famous for being, you know, 11 teams and they wanted Notre Dame to be number 12. That was when I was, when I started being a big college football fan, that was always the saying. They let in Penn State and then the next spot was always going to be out there for Notre Dame for that one day where they're going to have their, you know, come to Big Ten moment. But, um, you know, Mizzou obviously wanted to do it. They were not thrilled with the Big 12. Uh, and then the SEC grabbed them. And I think that was the big shock for a lot of folks when they when they made that jump. But it, it's interesting to see that. And I, I But it, part of that problem was the fact that the Big Ten was not willing to say we would take you. And I think that also in, that was one of the pivotal moments when the last time someone tried to poach Texas, which was the Pac-10, I think they were still the Pac-10. No, I think they just become the Pac-12. But the thing was, they want, no, no, it was before they became the Pac-12. The idea was they wanted to add four schools to the Pac-10, and they wanted to get Texas and Oklahoma. And Texas and Oklahoma were going to have to bring, and a part of the, the weird uh, conversation pieces, they had to take two more teams, and part of it was to appease sort of state politicians. It was going to be Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and it was going to be like Texas and another team. At that point, A&M was out to the SEC. So it was going to be um, it was going to be like either Texas Tech or Baylor. And there was a whole question of that. And the Pac-12 just never was willing to get their act together. So Texas remained in the Big 12. The Big 12 survived. And that was, again, when they it looked like they might be damaged by losing Nebraska to the Big 10 and losing... Um, again, losing, they ended up losing Colorado to the Pac-12, but it was just, it was one of those interesting situations. And yes, I keep revising my memory. It was when they were the Pac-12 because they had already taken Colorado. So it was going to be the Pac-16 if they had managed to make that work. And clearly hiring Larry Scott was their answer. And, and that, (laughs) that, 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 that's the, the great descent of that conference. I know you wanted to add something again to it, uh, fifth quarter Clemson, feel free. Yeah, no, I, uh, uh, my, my Wi-Fi cut, but one of the big things about, like about the ACC and why I think Clemson and Florida State are going to get out within the next five years is there's no schools in, in the country that the ACC could bring in that can really move the needle for a program like FSU, who is quickly rising to become a once once the playoffs hit 12 they're probably going to be in at least in the conversation if not in the playoffs every year Clemson looks and hopes to get back in the hunt this year and then and then stay in it but there's no school who has the alumni size who has who has the support who has the brand identity to move that needle the SEC's copped them all up and and the Big 10 getting USC and UCLA has pretty much pushed the uh the uh, pack to to their f- future demise, but like one of the big things is the program that could possibly keep Clemson and Florida State in is Notre Dame. If the ACC can get Notre Dame in as a full charter p- school, full charter program in the ACC, and and not have to do this half in half out kind of BS contract that is still uh, that's still active, you could then see the needle move significantly, 
right? When uh, when when they were able to bring in Notre Dame for uh, for the COVID year, the ACC did not see as significant a drop in in revenue and revenue shared as other conferences did because Notre Dame is just that big of an entity to where bringing them in almost pushed the needle back to even for that year, showing that in future years, it, it would push it even further, further more into the green, into the plus. But I don't see the ACC doing it. The ACC could have forced their hand during the COVID year and they kind of didn't at the last minute. They backed out and said, fine, we'll just do it for like a one-year basis. But I think when Notre Dame announces they're either going into the Big Ten or they clearly have no intentions of doing a football football charter conference, probably within a calendar year of that announcement, Clemson and, Clemson and or Florida State announced they are significantly looking at leaving the ACC. And then uh, I would also, I also wouldn't be surprised if, if Miami and UNC do the same. Yeah. I, Miami and UNC always kind of get a little bit, I mean, they, they tend to be second tier in all of this only because of, of football success of obviously uh, Clemson for, for some time now. And then Florida state looking like they're rising back to the top with their big uh, fan bases for both of those schools. But if the ACC were to start breaking apart, and I know they were talking about it was, as you said, led by Clemson and, and Florida State, um, but it seems to have interested some of the other programs that have some viability like UNC or uh, Miami um, with their fan bases and their, you know, you could see where they would be attractive to some, especially I would say that as weird as it is to say the Big Ten would be more interested in those two schools or even Georgia Tech, as odd as it sounds, because yeah, if we're talking TV, those are areas the Big Ten just doesn't exist. So imagine getting, you know, Georgia Tech suddenly becomes a very attractive program because it's not like you're going to get any other team in that state. Um, and, uh, and they were good at one point. And <laughs> uh, you can say the same. You almost want the teams that were good at one point. Hey, Miami, what's going on? We'd love to be in Florida again. So, you know, if, if the ACC were to somehow break itself of the Granite Rights deal and, and allow these, these, play, these teams to kind of go back on the open market – I could see where the Big Ten would be more interested in them, although Florida State and I think the SEC have a mutual interest in each other, and they've flirted with that idea before. Um, I know some of that went into what ended up becoming South Carolina leaving the ACC to join the SEC back in the day. Uh, so they, they've been a part of that that look. You know, uh, oh, Andrew, you wanted to chime in. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the UCF homer in the – uh, coming out, but I unbiasedly think it is an interesting point. If the Big Ten wanted to, let's say the grant of rights is locked solid, uh, is locked solid and no one can get out, which by the way, everyone hates lawyers until they actually need them. And a group of fantastic lawyers came up with this grant of rights. But it begs the question, if there's a school like UCF, USF, that is not is isn't in as locked tight situation as Miami or as FSU. Do you as the Big Ten, do you go slumming, if you will, for those teams because you get into the into Florida 
at less risk and less cost than a Florida state or Miami. I, I think at this point, the big 10 is, is going to be passive in some extent because they, you know, the, the commissioner, you know, he's, they've just switched commissioners again. He, uh, from what I understand, part of that, that conflict was the commissioner was still interested in growing the big 10. And after obviously adding USC and UCLA, possibly, I mean, people love to speculate that, seems to imply maybe Oregon and Washington or maybe just trying to hunt from another conference. But it sounds like the the presidents at that point were like, okay, slow down. We just added two. Let's see how they go. And, and let's move forward from there. So now they've got a new commissioner and I'm sure he's not necessarily in a rush to, to jump in. And well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone would love to make a big splash, but as a conference commissioner, you're really beholden to the presidents. It's like being a, commissioner of the nfl commissioner of the nfl commissioner of the nba their speak they're like being paid a bunch of money to be the representative collective representative of all the owners there in this case all the university presidents so you know i I think i'm not sure they're going to try and and be too aggressive there and also to a lesser extent they're a little bit hoity-toity a little bit full of themselves like we're the big 10 you know we're awesome but uh (laughs) So I could see them not necessarily going too aggressive, but if they do, it would be, it would it would be through feelers in a way that maybe not be perceivable. I mean, that was one of the most remarkable things a year ago. No one saw USC and UCLA were leaving until like the day they were basically about to leave and go out the door. Um, hey, fifth quarter, I see you right. Yeah, no, I was just gonna uh, chime in about what uh, Andrew said and asked and. Um, one of the big things is is there's a lot of talk about media markets and 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 and, and regions and teams that drive in regions. Reddit, you had mentioned like Georgia Tech and getting Georgia. I think one of the big things is is in my opinion those days are kind of gone. Everyone has you know everyone has Comcast. Everyone has AT and T, Directv. You know, Hulu TV, YouTube, whatever it is, anyone can watch any game anywhere in the country, some even anywhere in the world. Right. So I I don't particularly see a a conference like the Big Ten going after going after a uh, UCF simply to bring in the Florida media market. Right. I mean, one of the great things about college football is. No matter what fan of anything you are, you watch college football and you're going to watch those games, right? You have a nooner game, you watch till 3.30 and you're watching football for the rest of the day. You have a night game, you're waking up at 9 a.m., you're watching game day, going out the whole time. You, you think there's a good game on, you're going to watch it. I think a, a great way to put some feelers out is possibly seeing the big 10 scheduling games between their conference teams without a conference with those schools, right? Maybe seeing a, a, I don't know, like Ohio state versus UCF, Penn state versus UCF to see what the boost is of having UCF or any other school that they're interested in bringing in, seeing what that boost is for that one game, because then you can look at that and you can kind of, kind of create a, uh, growth chart based off of that right but i don't think it's going to be be anything instant you know um i think 
the big changes are probably going to be Florida State to the SEC. I want Clemson in the SEC, but if I'm being honest, I think I think there's a very good chance that Clemson ends up going to the Big Ten simply simply because the SEC is so southeast that the Big Ten could possibly make that offer to Clemson. Like, if they, it, you're it's like hard. you're, you're going to travel yeah. more. When, and that's, of course, the big but, if with the ACC. We're saying this so hypothetically because, again, that conference grant of rights seems to be have written quite well. You know, I want to also let we have one other person up here. Fat Rack Cowboy, thank you for being so patient. Hey, hey what's up? Uh, fifth quarter, what do you think the benefits would be for joining the SEC? Sorry, guys. Take a shower. <laughs> I was wondering what that background was, but no, we heard you pretty loud and clear. Go ahead, fifth quarter. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh like... no, no. I think the benefit, the, the the only benefit Clemson would get from joining the Big Ten is 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 purely financial. You know, the Big Ten could could offer a a significant amount of money to bring Clemson in that Clemson just can't really say no to at the end of the day, Clemson's a, in reality is a small school with a small alumni base that doesn't really branch out a lot. Right. You don't have that national fandom like in, in all reality that other schools do, but the benefit for joining the sec for Clemson is it's the same opponents Clemson plays year in and year out. Right. Clemson is one of the, like I'm trying to be like unbiased here, but is one of the best teams in the country of scheduling SEC opponents year in and year out. Clemson's doing everything they can to bring back Clemson and UGA. Clemson already plays South Carolina. Clemson plays Auburn a lot. Clemson has a a home and home scheduled with uh, with LSU, right? So I think just the benefit there is you're staying regional to what Clemson is, and it's a uh, upstate South Carolina. It's southeast. So Clemson doesn't have to do a lot of traveling and you enter the realm of truly playing the best competition. It's no secret the SEC is the best conference in all of college football, right? And joining the SEC is really a going through the gauntlet. And if you can do that, then there is no question about it. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Fat Rat. Appreciate that. I like talking ball while washing my I just love that we have our first caller who is like, again, I heard that in the background, like it almost sounds like he's in the shower, and then lo and behold, he is. All squeaky. (laughs) I love the, as a rat, I love that. Um, But yeah, you know, uh, I I do have to say, I think you're right, because Clemson's had all those historical connections. Obviously, South Carolina's now, you know, after they left the ACC, they've kept together. But again, as you said, with George, with Auburn, it would be a more, a more natural fit while I could see, Again, if a hypothetical happened, of course, you know, and but as you said, it boils down to money. Why else would USC and UCLA leave the, the Pac-12? Trust me, a lot of that was not those are not universally loved decisions among those alumni bases. I am an alum of USC. I was kind of sad to hear we we're leaving, but man, I knew exactly the money was going to be a better thing for the school. So I think, you know, in the end, when the money gets thrown out there, a lot of the, the, the naysayers within the department kind of. Hold back. You know, I'm going to, I see one other person wants to request. I'm going to let you up. Usually we wrap up after about 30 minutes, but I don't, with the technical problems I had earlier, I don't mind letting this one slide a little bit longer. But when you get up here, oh, looks like you dropped him. Shoot. 
Sometimes that happens. That has been, <laughs> we've been doing Twitter spaces now for, gosh, since 2021. So we've been doing it for a long time. And, and sometimes that's a classic. We'll hit accept and the call just drops. Um, but you know what? I'm going to use that as a good opportunity. It's 945. We've been going for about 45 minutes. I think it's a good opportunity to slowly wrap this one up. We do these every Tuesday night, and usually I can hear the audience, and this time I figured out in an emergency, all I have to do is yank all my equipment out of my phone, and suddenly I can hear everyone talking again. So thank you all for your patience with that. But I wanted to thank everyone. I wanted to thank, again, my, my colleague, Andrew Sagona. He has been such a great job covering games for us in Florida, covered the, uh, the Pandemic National Championship in Miami, and that was a surreal experience. And maybe next time we, we have a uh, Reddit talk, we can have that conversation. I just wanted to thank all of you for joining us. My name's Bob Ekhairi. This was RCFB Talk 140. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Now, I'm going to hang up and listen. Thank you.